Today and as it was getting closer to time, my wife said, "Why don't you just kind of call him and tell him you're sick? You, I mean, you don't feel good." Uh, I don't think he believed me at this point. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel good enough to be here. Um, so, 35 minutes, eh? Okay, here it goes. What it used to be like. <laughs> I, I sent some pictures around. I don't, I don't normally do that anymore. Um, I guess I'm graduating into not graduating from this program, but just I'm getting old. And all of a sudden, some of the things that seem so important, um, I hope that was a nod of agreement that you're getting old also, not that I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I came to this program in January of 1982. And when I came in here, I wasn't at nearly my top weight. Uh, but by the time I came in here, the reason I came in here is, I keep thinking of this analogy, this picture. I lived in L.A., I grew up in L.A., and um, I didn't like spending money, and I didn't have a lot of money, and my dad didn't make a lot of money. And I ran out of gas a couple times in my young driving days. And one day, I was driving 69, uh, 62 Chevy, and I, I ran out of gas on Pico, pulling into that country club in a 1962 Chevy. <laughs> and I had no money and no gas. And of all places you don't want to go is like this snooty country club. When I came to this program in January of 82, coincidentally, to Beverly Hills High School, um, I was out of gas. I was out of gas. I had... I couldn't go one more minute. Uh, my top weight is 305 pounds. I had lost it once. Um, I don't know which joke line to use. I, I guess I liked losing that much weight so much that I gained it all back to see if it would be fun to lose it again. <laughs> Whatever kind of BS people say. But I was... The real history is I grew up in, in the Fairfax area. Um, I had a... What you'd call a fairly normal you know, uh, family. My, my sister was tall and thin and blonde and normal and still is. And... My mom was the housewife of the 50s, and my dad was an accountant, um, which kind of tells you how I got here. No. <laughs> um, I'm starting a new pro program, Adult Children of Jewish Accountants. <laughs> it's a disease. It's not my fault. Um, but it was a fairly normal-looking family anyway, um, but stuff was going on. I, I just never felt comfortable in my own skin, in my own body. I was the second or third fattest kid in my elementary school. Um, I was the second or third fattest kid in my junior high. And then I went to Fairfax High School. And I don't know if they do the same thing for the uh, girls as they did for the boys, but as bad as it is being an overeater uh, and being fat, which meant the humiliation of uh, going to Gardner Pool. I learned by like nine or ten years old when they built Gardner Playground over by the, uh, uh, the Pan Pacific area that I had to have an excuse to go swimming and wear my shirt. So I had to make up an, a, a good, plausible so I had a skin condition, is what I told them. And uh, anybody asked what skin condition? Too much of it, right, John? I know it. <laughs> and he gets paid to do this shit. Um, stuff. Sorry. Um, and then the climbing of the rope. And if, you know, when, when I have a, a chance to share of over five or six minutes, I just want to... I'm a hundred pounder. And so my, my... I mean, I come from breaking chairs. I come from rearranging schedules because you, you, you got to base it on where you can eat, what clothing. I was so petrified once. I had a date with a woman and, and um, we're supposed to go to a, a World Series game, as I recall, or a, a playoff game, some important baseball game, but it was a day game. 
and I didn't have any clothes to wear that weren't the shirt tails out. So I prayed. It was the last game of a series that if the Dodgers lost, the series would be over. And I prayed that the Dodgers would lose. My team would lose. So I could say, why don't we just move the date to the evening? Because then I could put on a sweater or a vest. And this is no way to live. So I get to Fairfax High School. I'm in my first semester. I'm now, there's more people to be fat around. Uh, there's, there's longer times to be naked in the shower room and stuff like that. And this normal world of mine, which was not prone to dealing with feelings very well or, or much of anything very well, my mom died in May of that year. So that was my first semester in high school. Not, not fun. Uh, she died on Mother's Day, which, um, yeah. I mean, and I was so dissociated by then that I didn't even realize that that might have uh, even exacerbated a crappy situation. So for the next few years, um, my sister didn't like me and mostly justified. Uh, she lived in a house with us with now no women in the house but her. She was 12 years old, uh, and she was lost. So she locked herself in her bedroom until she was 18 and then moved out, married Ed, the Irish Catholic, and there had, there had um, Mickey wasn't living around here then, so, uh, and she's happily married, very normal, two kids in their 20s, college educated, she's been working for 30 years, she's been married for 30 years, she's still tall and blonde and thin. I hate her. Um, <laughs> not really, Sue. But I, and my dad and I have an odd relationship, we fought a lot, but we loved each other a lot, and we liked each other a lot, but we fought a lot, and, um, I was lost, and he drank for two years. That's the other thing. My dad was top security clearance for the Department of Defense, GS-18, if that means anything to anybody, and, uh, and he was drinking every day for two years after my mom died. So he had his best friend, and uh, I just kind of uh, embraced mine with a, a degree of enthusiasm and fervor beyond anything I had ever done before. And I, by 18, weighed uh, 305. And I was a freshman at UCLA, and in a quick hurry to get out, and I don't know why, so I was out of UCLA in three years, but by then, I already lost 100 and got a new girlfriend and got a new car and got a new briefcase and got a new suit. And so since I didn't have the symptom anymore, I didn't have the problem anymore. And so I entered law school, the, uh, the uh, you know, Florida for the older Jews and law school for the <laughs> younger Jews, male or female. And so I went to law school, and while I was there, I discovered alcohol. Uh, whatever the food didn't kill, uh, vodka did, and if I needed uh, something to wash down the vodka, or I guess it would have been the other order, I started stealing uh, pills from my father, who was stealing him from my mother, who was dead already. He was renewing prescriptions of Valium. So I'm eating Valium, eating food, drinking, and about to become a lawyer. So I, <laughs> I actually took the bar exam one time. I failed it. I was hungover. I packed it up, and I said, I'm done. So my weight had gone up 100 pounds. I, I had done everything. I'm in my 50s, so we did Sego. Uh, I'm going to look at you every time. <laughs> uh, Sego, we did Metrical in the 50s, uh, which was... What, you're not old enough. Don't start with me. Met, 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 Metrical, uh, Metrical were these little cookies made of uh, chocolate and sawdust. And, uh, and you lost weight because they didn't stay in you for real long if you get my drift. I didn't check off on that thing bulimic, but uh, we're just up in semantics. Uh, and so I lost my weight and I uh, gained it back. And um, then I didn't know what to do with my life, so I, became, I sold life insurance, which is about as exciting as trying to be a lawyer. I mean, this is pathetic. I woke up in 1982 because I had two failed careers now. 
I had a lot of stretch marks and loose skin. I was on my way back to gaining my weight back. And having the girlfriend that I had had and having the car that I had had and having the, uh, the briefcase and the suit that I had had didn't fix the damn thing. And I thought I was crazy because I began to look at least dressed like I always envisioned would be a nice way to look. I, I, I could pass. I wasn't going to win anybody over, but I could pass if, I did, if they didn't see what was under this stuff. In, literally and figuratively. So in 1982 when I came here, I don't even know why I came here anymore. I really don't. Some woman who was in my insurance business thing, she was my supervisor, never been to a 12-step meeting, I'm sure in her life, said, I don't know what to tell you anymore. Why don't you try over here as an honest? And it's, I, I, I don't know, sure. So I went to Beverly Hills High School. And um, I don't know what happened. My dad, like I said, is an accountant. And many times over the last 25 years, I've said to him, or he said to me, so let me get this straight, Jack. January, January 5th, 1982, you can't stop compulsively overeating. Yes, Dad. And January 6th in the morning, you wake up, and you're able to stop compulsively overeating. Yes, Dad. And he looks at me like, that doesn't make sense. And I look at him like, it doesn't make sense to me either. And then he says, which I felt obliged as a member of this fellowship to throw in, the God component. Uh, and he says, and we're, we're, we're Jews, but, but uh, that has nothing to do with God. <laughs> they tried to kill us. We won. Let's eat. That's what I heard. <laughs> so I'm trying to explain this thing to him that I don't even understand. And he looks at me like... You're as crazy as I thought. And you know what? I'm not sure he was wrong, but I was beginning to get less crazy and more normal both physically, uh, spiritually, psychologically. And in the beginning, if you're new, um, all I did right is I kept coming back. That's the only thing I did consistently. And the only reason I did that is not out of any nobility. It was only because there were very few places I was still invited back to go. <laughs> Not like I had a lot of options. You, you change, in the olden days, there were 120 meetings a week. I mean, even if they didn't like you at your home meeting, you'd just go to another meeting and you know, tell them you're from out of town. It didn't. <laughs> the other thing was, when I came in away, there were, I think, um, it was probably 85, 80%, 85% women. And of the 15% that were men, 85% of those were gay men. So there were three of us um, that were straight men and you know, it was nice to get hugged. I'll be honest, it was nice to get hugged by the women. It was nice to get hugged by the men. It didn't matter. I just wanted contact. Um, I realized how hard it is. I mean, if you can pick it up, and maybe thin people do this too if they have this disease, or maybe bulimics do it. I, I wasn't looking people in the eyes. I realized that the only time I would look women in the eyes is when I was driving. Because, like at a red light, they don't know what I look like from here down. And, I mean, as if... I mean, Beard, I had this big bush, one of the pictures of me this big, I mean, I wasn't fooling anybody. You know, the stripes going this way don't really have them not notice you're fat. <laughs> so, I came here, and the only thing I did is I never left. I never left. I never wanted to leave. But, so when they stressed a lot of people, like, come here and then leave, I wanted to leave. There was no way in hell I was going to leave. I might not have done anything else, but I was going to stay. So I go, I went, uh, and there was a whole flavor to OA back then. No pun intended. And, and on Tuesday night, when I went to Beverly Hills High School on Monday night, I, at the end of the meeting, somebody said, what are you doing tomorrow night? And I said, I don't know. They said, same place, Tuesday night, 7.30, Beverly Hills High School. So I was like a freaking lemming, like the other, you know, the group of people. <laughs> like, we go over to Cliff together. So I go there on Tuesday night, same thing. And then somebody would say, well, what's tonight? Where are you going? I said, I don't know. You tell me where I'm going, obviously. And there was, Beverly, and there was a, a 
the perf. Rach, uh, not Rachbe, um, uh, the one on, on, on Overland. Tom's uh, Park. Yeah. Yeah. They had that meeting there then. So I went there. And then somebody said the same thing. Where are you going tomorrow? And I said, uh, I don't know. And Lonnie, if any of you were at the morning meeting this morning, Lonnie talked about the 100-pounders meeting, which the Thursday night 100-pounders meeting used to be at the federal building. And so we go over there. And um, then Friday night somebody said, I, I, I misheard what they said. They, I said, what, what are we doing on Friday night? And they said, Thalians, Cedar Sinai. And I said, that's why I belonged Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. I didn't know they meant I was going to get to leave at the end of the night. But we went there, and there was a great meeting in those days. There was a wonderful two-speaker meeting. The first speaker had it five years, and the second speaker had it ten years. So I went there. And then when I left Friday night, they said, see you in the morning. I guess so. And that's, uh, what's, uh, Clancy Street, Ohio Street. So we go over to Ohio Street on Saturday morning for the maintainers meeting. Clancy Street. <laughs> so Saturday morning, we go over there, and, and we do the same thing again. And then, as if I didn't know they'd have an answer for then, Roxbury Park Sunday, uh, uh, Serenity Sunday, which has been in a main number of venues. And we just did that. And we go out to lunch after Saturday and Sunday meeting with groups of people. I mean, we used to go to Hamburger Henry's with 30 people. 30 orders of dry baked potato and a scoop of tuna, <laughs> mustard on the side. I mean, <laughs> the only argument was which side, I know. <laughs> And we'd go to coffee after the Friday night meeting. We'd go to uh, uh, places which are, are half you people are too young to remember that they existed. Right? There, was a, there was a deli on, on uh, Pico somewhere and Sheps. Uh, and we'd go over there and, uh, and, um, and, and, and have fellowship. And so the only thing I did right is I kept coming to meetings. I did get a sponsor that first meeting. And they said, find somebody who has what you want. We used to go through these things and they read the three the tools. Find somebody who has what you want. And the speaker that day was thin, he had been fat, he was married, and he was funny. And that, everything about that baffled me, so I asked him to be my sponsor. And the guy was a lunatic. In fact, he ended that first meeting, I'll never forget this, he said, I swear to God, at the end of the meeting he said, you know, I'm glad you came, and blah, 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 and if you didn't hear anything you liked tonight, come back next week, there'll be some other crazy person telling you that there's the world according to them. Thinking, great, dandy. But Gary was my, not Gary, uh, Gary, another Gary, was my sponsor for six years. And we went through the steps, and we argued, and we fought, but we, I, I learned how to, uh, how to connect with another human being in a reasonably healthier way than anything I'd ever done before. And um, the other thing I did was I asked three different men who had long-term abstinence and a fair weight loss and a fair recovery. One was Richie, who's still around, and one was Larry W., who, if any of you are in the South Bay, uh, he's a very sober alcoholic with about 25 or 30 years. He was in this fellowship. He still may be. I don't, haven't seen him in years. And I asked a guy named Bill B., who's, who passed away a few years ago. And I said, okay, Buddhas, tell me, what's the key to recovery? And uh, I was expecting a kind of a, a congregating, like the, 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 the strands of a, of a, of a, a candle with a braids, those braided candles, uh, Oh, yeah, I'm asking, what am I asking you for? <laughs> um, anyway, and they all gave me three different answers. And it really pissed me off because they were all credible. Richie said, find God and deal with the spirituality recovery and you'll be fine. I thought that was dandy. Richie had lost like 4,000 pounds. And, um, I was afraid of him, so I thought, I'm going to probably listen to him. But I didn't know what he was talking about. And Bill said, work the steps and you will find serenity. And I said, that's perfect. I had no idea what the hell he was talking about. <laughs> Larry said, get a food plan. 
<laughs> food plans for a fat guy or an ex fat guy. This is a, this is a piece of cake. Um, it was easy to get a food plan. Food plans, I know. Food plans, please. I'd rather recovery be about personally therapy and a food plan. I'd be very happy. Leave me alone with the steps and leave me alone with the spirituality. I'm a happy camper. But unfortunately, <laughs> that's not what it's about. But for the first six years with Gary, Gary didn't have any spirituality. Gary had a food plan. Uh, not enough therapy. Uh, <laughs> and we worked the steps to the best of Gary and my ability, which was okay. It was okay. It was fine. It was fine enough. But I did have a food plan. And I found out that I, I tend with food, or I, I tended to with food to be rigid. I didn't think so then, and I'm not that way anymore. I was getting accused of being rigid with the food. And you know what? I wrote down on a little pen of paper, three meals a day, nothing in between, no sugar, no bread, no alcohol. And I'm not an alcoholic, but when I drank until about New Year's of 80, one day I woke up around New Year's of 80 and I said, you know what? I have no business drinking. I drink. I don't drink so pretty. I had, had I, in, my, in Los Angeles many, many years ago in the 70s, or, uh, uh, Jim Stacy was an actor. And he was riding a motorcycle in one of the canyons. And he had a car, uh, an accident with a car. And when he came to, he was missing one arm and one leg. And um, he sued the driver, and the driver didn't have any money or insurance. So he sued the bar. And he got a ton of money saying that the bar shouldn't have been serving this alcoholic person beyond the point. Fine. I went to the guy at, uh, on Ventura Boulevard that I was drinking fairly regularly. I forgot. Josephinus where you could drink yourself into oblivion on Ventura Boulevard. <laughs> into good guitar music. <laughs> singing Kumbaya as you passed out. Um, <laughs> and I said, how many of you served me before you would worry about losing your license or losing your, you know, your, your fortune? And he said, I served you eight. And to be honest with you, when you left, I wasn't all that worried. So at 300 pounds, I could drink eight screwdrivers, apparently, and apparently I made it home most days, never got a ticket, no accidents, and so I realized I didn't drink real clean. I never went to AA. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't insult recovering alcoholics by saying I'm a recovering alcoholic. I, don't, I just haven't had a drink since 1980, and I'm much better off that way. But the food was whooping my ass. So I wrote down three meals a day, nothing in between, no sugar, no bread, no booze. And I may have written down a food or two more, but any food that I can't eat like a gentleman. So, you know, you give me dinner, I eat dinner. You give me, you give me a buffet, I eat the buffet. I mean, <laughs> you, I shouldn't say that. You don't tell the Jewish person who's a compulsive overeater, you pay one small price. I <laughs> think I'm going to leave there under about you know, 14,000 calories. It ain't happening. Uh, my people suffered. Um, so, and that's still my food plan today. Today, nothing in my food plan. Nothing in my food plan. And we didn't have abstinence in food plan. There was not this, this, there was no, con there was nothing. In fact, in 1982, the birthday party, which just passed, the big controversy at the birthday party, they had their play, and Mario sang to Cynthia White, and they were doing a takeoff on uh, West Side Story. And the two factions, the two warring factions were um, the moderate mealers and the gray sheeters. And so, I, who cares? I found a food plan that worked for me. And I ate my three meals a day, and I was prone to approximate calories and stuff like that, but, but that's what I knew. I knew Weight Watchers before there were points, and, and, and so I kind of probably did that. But here's where, here's where I would, if you're new, don't do what I did. My goal weight when I came in was 180. When I hit 180, which wasn't that difficult, I made it 170. When I hit 170, I made it 160. When I hit 160, I made it 150. I'm about six feet tall. 
maybe this much under, 5'11 and a half. And I got down to 158. And I looked like hell. Every bone in my body hurt. I bruised if I touched anything hard like this. And I loved it. And the more people who told me how crappy I looked, I knew they meant thin. And I was ecstatic. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll just, I'll die being So, I didn't do that well. I was lying to Gary about what I was eating. Um, and it, it bit me in the ass a little bit. I had some minor, minor, fortunately, very minor health ramifications of that. I went, um, well, anyway. And what I, the other thing I did do right, and if you're new, this is what I would do. I complained from the podium about anything that I needed to get out of me. Anything that was better off me leaving the meeting in this room, I dumped. And I don't care if anybody liked it or not. The truth is, I don't know that I got a lot of icky feedback. There's some people who dump week in, week out, week in, week out, and it, it, I don't know. For me, it gets old and boring, and I hear that. I didn't get a lot of complaints. I, I, so either I did it differently or people were lying to me, but I didn't care. I complained about my disdain for my body and my disdain for selling life insurance. I said my career as an as a, as a educated 30-year-old Jew and a male, which now doesn't matter, but... 25 years ago, women weren't, it wasn't the same, and they weren't claiming to be the same. That was the same. You know, welcome. But, but it wasn't the same, though. The, the, Jewish, the Jewish women were not striving to be somebody. They were just, I, they were enough. But the Jewish man was a whole different neurosis. And um, so, and I bitched about that every week, and my disdain for my body, even when I lost my weight. That's the other thing. I really believed, since most of the people I ever seen in my life were dressed, that if, if you lose your weight, I mean, it just kind of, everything just kind of falls into place, right? And there's no marks or lines or stuff under there, and, and one my experience. So I fetched about those two things, and let me tell you how, before I even knew what God working in my life was about. One woman came up to me and said, would you be willing to volunteer to work at a particular eating disorder unit in South Bay? And I said, to do what? She said, to talk to fat people, and, and we won't pay you, but uh, lovely. I said, why me? I'm so honored. Why me? She said, you're thin, you were fat, you're male, and you can talk. I said, that's all? She said, yeah, don't give yourself too much credit. That's all. <laughs> and I went down there and I volunteered. And the volunteership, one day somebody said to me, you're good, go to school. And I told them to shove it up their ass because when I went to graduate school the first time, had they not been listening, I said, I, I drank a lot and took a lot of pills and gained a lot of weight. And the guy looked at me and told me to shove it up back up my ass, and he said, you weren't in recovery then, so shut up and go to school. In uh, 1984, I enrolled in graduate school. I graduated in 1986. I got my license in my profession. Now I'm a therapist in 1988. I've been licensed for 19 years, and I have a private practice approximately very close to here, and, uh, and uh, everything's been, since the day I've been in the field, as far as I'm concerned, my life has been perfect. Perfect enough. Maybe my definitions have changed, but perfect enough. When the practice goes up, the practice goes down, uh, it's harder, it's easier. Uh, doesn't matter. I don't have a complaint. You know, don't ask my wife for details, but I don't really have a complaint. <laughs> she would say otherwise, and, you know, she's, well, she was right, actually. But I, 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 I'm happy. I'm, I'm more than happy. I love every day I go to work. I love it. The other thing was about my body. And I'll, I don't believe this really happened, but this is the way I think it happened in my memory. Some woman, this little woman I had never seen before, came up to me and basically said, you come to my house on the beach in Manhattan Redondo, and you take off your shirt in a quiet, isolated place, and basically I will protect you from the boogeyman. And I said okay, and I made plans with her. 
And um, for the next three days until that Saturday, I feared I was being either set up or I prayed I was being seduced. And I sexualized it, I fantasized about it, it was ecstatic, and you know what, that lousy rodent, all it was was exactly what you claimed it to be. But you know what happened? I went to the speech and there was nobody around but she and I. And she didn't say much at all, and she implied or said, when you're ready, take your shirt off. And somehow she knew not to look. So I took my shirt off, she didn't even look at me, which was exactly what I needed. I didn't know this woman, and I don't even know if she's still around. I don't think I ever saw her again. I think it happened, but since I was binging or drinking, I, I don't think it was a, 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 an illusion, just a, an illusion, but, and I put the shirt under my arm, because that's about as far as I would let it go, and nobody laughed and nobody hurt me, but I kind of knew she would take care of it if something happened, and either she did or it didn't happen or it didn't matter, and uh, I'll take off my shirt where people are supposed to today, most of the time, and sometimes I'm a little, you know, a little uncomfortable, and then I won't, and I don't care. But I decided if I'm going to live in a cage, I might as well be fat and enjoy the food. I don't want to live in a cage anymore. I don't want to live in fear. I don't want to live in immobilization. That summer I went to Club Med by myself, and I worked my way toward the very last day. Uh, successive approximations, baby steps. The last day I went out, left my room in the morning with trunks and a book and whatever I, whatever I was carrying and nothing else, and didn't come back to my room until the end of the day. So I didn't have a shirt on at the beach. I didn't have a shirt on in the, in, the, in the common area. I didn't have a shirt on at the meals. I didn't care. It didn't matter anymore. Six years, Gary and I worked together. It was great. It was perfect. And then we fired each other for reasons that made sense at the time. We're still friends. We're still friends. Some woman came up to me and said, can I sponsor you? And I was told, no, don't do that. And I said, no, nah, thank you very much. Thank you for sharing. And she said, why not? And I said, lest I have to remind you, A, you've got less time than me. B, you're not a 100-pounder. C, you're a female. And D, we used to date. <laughs> she said, but I've heard you speak, and I know, and she meant this, I know what you need, and I can share that with you. And you know what I told her no a second time? And she asked me a third time? She sponsored me for six years after that. And the one part of my program that I was missing, she exposed me to which was the spiritual part of this program. And uh, she's not in my life anymore. She doesn't live in the city anymore. But uh, she was an angel. She was an angel. Um, it was a lot easier to be responsible than her partner, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> and it was fine. Um, I had other spiritual... Th- and the spiritual stuff makes no sense to me, by the way. No sense. Third sponsor is Terrell. If any of you know Terrell, he's been my sponsor now for 12 or 13, 14 years. He has everything I want. And yet, when you look at the differences, Terrell's gay, I'm straight, I'm married, I think he's single, he's a, he's, he, we're in different fields, we're in different backgrounds, we're from different parts of the country, we're in different religions, but it doesn't matter. A, first and foremost, she's a compulsive reader, parenthetically, which may matter to me, it may not, it, it may matter to you, he's a 100-pounder. And now it's been, we can't figure out how long it is, it's about 15 years. Uh, he sent me to another program, so I'm also in a, in a 12-step program for people who have an affinity to be with uh, uh, similarly addicted people, and uh, it's a people thing, which is fine also. Um, but God is always working in my life, and I want to work towards this. If any of you are Jewish, you know what a dreidel is, and I'm hooked on this thing lately with dreidels. I wear a dreidel. Now, nobody wears a dreidel. You wear them, sissy. You don't wear a dreidel. But I wear a dreidel. And the reason I wear a dreidel is I went into a store and I told this lady I want a dreidel. So she brings out a dreidel. I said, no, I want a dreidel. So she brings out a dreidel. No, a tchotchke for my neck. She brings out a gold dreidel. I said, I'm not buying a gold dreidel. It's not gold. 
How much? $15? I'll take it. So I'm wearing a dreidel, and the reason I'm wearing it and, and, uh, is because the four sides of the dreidel, and I, I talk about this way too much now, but it's only been a year, so indulge me. The four sides of the dreidel, of most of the dreidels in the world, say, Neskadol Haya Sham. The great miracle happened there. I just got a new gift. It's not on here yet. Somebody, a relative of my wife, went to Israel in December. She brought me one from Israel. And those say, Neskadol Haya Po. The great miracle happened here. As far as I'm concerned, they can call it a dreidel. They can call it a top. You can put in a penny or take out a penny. It's in Hebrew, which, which, which is, you know, befuddles many of us. Um, even the Gentiles. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> but that being said, as far as I'm concerned, and I, I speak for nobody but me. Not, I don't represent anybody or anything else. Neskadol Hayapo, the great miracle happens here. I don't know why, Dad... I'll see him tomorrow. I'll tell him. I don't know why. That on, on January 5th, 1982, I couldn't stop compulsively overeating. And January 6th, I could. I don't know why, and it doesn't matter to me. And where's the God stuff fit in? I don't know. I have no idea. But the one thing that's been consistent, I have a food pen. I don't deviate no matter what, no matter what, no matter what, no matter what. Flow to Europe once. It's uh, 57 hours to Europe. I get three meals, and that's that. On the way back, it's an hour and a half. <laughs> the whole day is an hour and a half. And if I'm told it's an hour and a half, I'm eating every goddamn half an hour because I get my three meals. But this is what it's about. They've been telling me this. The first ten years, I never heard it said. So much so that when my, in 1984, two years after I got here, my car was stolen. And it was stolen, and it wound up nine days later, the day I ordered a new car, in Ohio. Now, all of my stuff was missing. Most of the insides of the car were missing. And my big book was missing. Now, you'd think in Ohio... They'd have enough damn copies of the Big Book of Alcoholics. <laughs> they needed mine also. It was gone. So I bought a new one. In 1984, apparently, there was a new edition known only to me. And it started talking about God and steps. And it never mentioned weight or food, which I don't know how they made such a dramatic change in such a short period of time. In 1986, my car was stolen again. I drive a Honda. I don't know why. My Honda was stolen again. It came back in East L.A. And it was missing a lot this time also. And everything was missing from the inside, including my big book. So in 1986, I had to buy another big book. And I had to like, read it again, which was terrible. But this is what I've learned in the last five or six or seven years. The first 20, I prayed that I could get by on my diet and therapy and going to meetings and hugging and doing a little bit of service. And now this is what I really believe now. And um, you know, if I die believing this, it'll be fine. We get a daily reprieve predicated upon keeping a fit spiritual condition. Period, period, period. I don't even know what it means. I can quote it. I don't know. I don't have a clue what it means. I don't know. But what I do know is I'm powerless over food. My life is unmanageable. Absolutely. That's a given. I've proven that beyond. Uh, can we believe that a power greater than myself when we show me sanity? That second sponsor, that woman who she could tell I was uncomfortable with the whole concept and I needed something I could grab onto. And she said, how about came to believe in a source of information within you? that if, if accessed and honored and implemented and, 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 and lived by would allow you to function at a higher level than you've ever functioned before. And I just, I, I just started hearing music. That, that, that did it for me. And then this short version of the third step, instead of turn my life and my will over to the care of God, as I understand, if you know what you're supposed to do in that second step, do it. Do it. Just do it. You know, Nancy, Nancy Reagan may have been right. Just say no. Or, or, or Nike, just do it. That's what i got to do today. There's women I want to hug that I have no business hugging. There's ways I want to hug them that I have no business hugging. There's food I want to eat. We're going somewhere tonight with three other, two other couples. 
the other man, one of the other men weighed 350 pounds in high school with me also. And uh, I love that we've reconnected. And uh, he may wind up in this fellowship. I don't know. If, if by time, look, I bought his life insurance uh, last year. Maybe he'll buy one I'm selling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to die trying. Um, so the fourth step was, I, you know, it gets this ominous, daunting sort of, oh, my God, the fourth step. You know what? I've done it three ways for three different sponsors. I did it once with the questions and answers that they're circulating, one uh, by the paragraph, by paragraph, by paragraph, and one by the, the God forbid, the way the big book suggested, um, in the columns. And I've done them all. And then reading to somebody, it doesn't matter. It, I, I've always read them to my sponsor. But it makes it very clear. You can read them to your, you can, you, you can read them to your priest, your rabbi, your friend. Go up to some schnook in a park that you'll never see again if you're too embarrassed. It doesn't matter. The first time I read my first... Fourth step, I read it to some guy in the parking lot at Dolores' restaurant on Santa Monica Boulevard. He said it was so boring that not only did he fall asleep listening to it, he swore I fell asleep reading it to him. And, and so what? The sixth and seventh step are really interesting. I picture unzipping the top of my head and having God stick a vacuum cleaner in there and sucking out all the dust and the garbage. Take away all of these things. Just suck them out of me. And some of them, I don't want to. As a fat guy, why should I have to let go of lust now? Why did you, have, why did you give me no lust when I couldn't get any anyway? And let, let, me have some, let, me, let me have some now before I'm, I'm older. I don't say old anymore. This probably takes me when I used to say old. Older! Or, or all of that stuff. Why shouldn't I have pride and ego and all those other seven deadly sins that in parts, if you read them just wrong, they sound like good things. Um, because you know what? That's the nature of the process. And you've got you to leave me the bondage of self. Eight and nine, I went back and made lists all over the place. I, made, I went back in the ninth step and been willing to make amends to all of them. I think for the most part I have. Each time I finished the list, I thought I was done. My office is across the street, in the building across the street, coincidentally. I was sitting on the stoop next door at that market one day, about three, four years ago. A woman walks by, and she looks at me, and I look at her. And she walks into the market. She comes out, and I say... We know each other, don't we? And she said, I think so. But we try to reconstruct where it came from. And all of a sudden, light bulb. I said, you moved from uh, New York here in the 70s, right? She said, yeah. And you lived in a very small apartment by La Brea and um, uh, Beverly, right? Yeah. Jewish? Yeah. We did it for a little while. She said, I think so. I said, I'll take it from there. Let me tell you what happened. <laughs> we probably slept together. We probably liked each other. I probably got incredibly scared. You probably did nothing wrong. I probably stopped calling you and found a way to blame it on you. And thank God she didn't do a lot of shaming on me. She said, I don't really remember exactly. I said, believe me, if we did it in the 70s, that's the way it went. And I said, you know what? I'm real sorry I reassured it to the best of my ability. It had nothing to do with you, no matter what the hell you are, were, or did. And I apologize because where it came from was fear, a lot of issues of mine, and I apologize. And we hugged, we exchanged phone numbers. It turns out her daughter and my niece were going to a bat mitzvah together the next weekend, unrelated to this. And you know what? So I made a mitzvah to somebody who's not on any of my other step process because I didn't remember her name, I didn't remember her presence in my world, nor she. Not me. It, it, so, believe me, I'll run into people. It'll happen. Ten step, continue to take personal inventory, and one more wrong probably admitted it. I had a call on my sponsees today said, you know what? Since I began sponsoring you, I'm not answering the call on time as, offering I would, as often as I would like. 
That's not even the way I work. I'm real methodical. And, and, but my life is big now. My life is big. And it, it's busy and it's full and it's big. And sometimes I'm human and I hate that. Because being human when you're fat is dangerous. Being human now, I don't give a shit, so I apologize to him. And living amends is trying to the best of my ability to not do that anymore. Eleven step, the prayer meditation thing, real quick. I was at a workshop about two years ago on Pico, down that way by uh, Lincoln, and it was a panel at a chiropractic uh, college, or an acupuncture college. And one of the speakers on that panel was a guy that I've heard a thousand times. I was bored. I didn't listen. I didn't even, I've heard his story. And he said something that he doesn't listen to the radio from his home in the morning to work. And he lives in West Hollywood, and he works by the airport. And he said, he just prays in the morning on the way to work. And I was impressed until I knew he, he lied about something, because he said that he, he attributed that fine suggestion to his sponsor. I'm his sponsor. Uh, I never suggested that to him. It was, it was too good an idea. But you know what? I have not had my radio on one time in two years from the time I leave my house in the morning to the time I get to my first destination. Monday through Friday, it's there. Saturday, it's the uh, log cabin. And Sunday, it's whenever I get into my car, I don't turn on the radio. And for me not to listen to talk radio and, and, and get distracted the way the food, the drugs, the alcohol, and everything else did is, is, is a miracle in and of itself. And the 12th step, I, to the best of my ability, and it's not just, and sometimes I think it's ego. I'm an ex-fat guy. See, if you're bulimic and you're recovering, who wants to tell anybody you used to puke? If you gained and lost 12 pounds in your lifetime, who, what's, the, who, what's the big McGillow? Who wants to? No, nobody's standing and clapping about a bulimic who nobody knew was bulimic. Like, I used to throw up, and now I don't. And, uh, and only in the media they have to clap over that. Will roll, they will roll their eyes and ask you not to come back. Um, but as an ex-fat guy, it feels good because I run into somebody every single day. My life is every day I run into somebody who knew me then and doesn't know me now and doesn't recognize me, and I don't want to walk by them anymore. But this is the way I practice these principles in all my affairs. Last, uh, it's by the elevators of the building across the street about five, six, seven, eight years ago, and there's a very obese woman going like this in the morning. She's doing her exercise. And I said, mm-hmm, just what I needed. I said, do me a favor, ma'am. Would you do a couple of those extra things for me? I don't believe in exercise. And she said, yeah, look at you and look at me. And I said, bingo. I said, I used to weigh 300 pounds. And she was very uh, taken by that. And we talked for a few minutes, and I said, I really got to go to work, but... Where do you live? She said, I'm a, I was about 50 then. She was about 60, so she knew it wasn't, I, she hoped it wasn't any, I hoped it wasn't any. <laughs> she said, where do you, I said, where do you live? She said, she lives in uh, um, Westchester. It was Thursday night. Mm-hmm. I said, what are you doing tonight? She said, nothing. I said, do you know where such and such church is? She said, I've been there. I said, um, 7.30, 8 o'clock, whatever it was, I'll meet you there. Um, I'm speaking at a 100-pounders meeting of over years, and sure as shit, she showed up. That, meant, that might have been eight or nine years ago. She didn't stay long, but she joined a weight group at her church, and you know what? She kept losing weight, losing weight. A year ago, she moved out of L.A., and um, I miss her. And we were connected. Her office pinked next to mine, next to mine, next door, literally next door. So that's the way I practice these things in all my affairs. Uh, I don't offer it to people who don't want it, or I'll offer it once and then I'll leave them alone. But if there's somebody who's struggling with this disease, I'll take a lot of calls. I return calls. Um, it's an honor to be a member of the fellowship. And just so that you know, I had a mediocre day today. But let me tell you what I did do. I met with one sponsee. I called one sponsee. I got two sponsees called. I called my uh, OA sponsor. Um, I ate two meals so far today. And uh, I don't have to know what they serve at the restaurant I'm going to for dinner tonight because 
Do I have something I can eat? I don't care. Um, I had some time to meditate. I was quiet. Um, I tried to self-contain and self-soothe, which in case you can't tell is not my strong suit. And um, if there ain't no audience, uh, I get scared. Um, but you know what? Life is fine, and I made it through the day, and I'll have, a, I'll have whatever evening I have, and I'm going to be of service visiting my, my dad and uh, assisted living tomorrow. And I wouldn't have, first of all, I wouldn't have been alive today. So, I mean, it doesn't take a dramatic story. I, I wasn't sexually abused. I wasn't physically abused enough to merit some of what my brain is left with, but that's for another meeting. Um, if you're new, keep coming back. Sometimes, like the, like the promise, say, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, it'll always materialize. And the spiritualities program is hitting me now. Real recovery is hitting me now. If you're new, don't have to understand it. All the quotes, every one of those damn bumper stickers or all the quotes they quote, they're all, they're all annoying and they're all true. <laughs> I put the debating society. You know what? If you don't see it my way, as, as my people say, gig isn't to hate. Go and be well. Do it your way. Do it your way. But just, just keep coming back. Just keep coming back. Um, it's free. It's sweet. And, and recovery is here. And, and maybe you can get it elsewhere also, but my experience has not been real good out there. I live out there now. That's the other thing. The big book makes it very clear. We're not doing this to live just in the meetings. We're doing this to learn from the meetings, to go out there and have a life. And today I have a life that doesn't center around where I'm going to dinner tonight. Last thing is, if anybody wants to talk about program, I have to leave right when it's over. But please, if there's a, is there a book? Uh, ask John for my number or ask Mickey. I, I, I would love to talk program with anybody who wants to talk program. I promise I'll always return your calls. And uh, thank you for being here.